Up next, a message from Victory Life Church of Milton. I'm going to talk a little bit today about the Apostle Peter and about a little bit of the suffering that he went through for the cause of Christ. I want us to have a heart today and I want us to leave here with a Christ-like burden for our brothers and sisters who are suffering for their faith in Jesus Christ. But I also want you guys to understand that whatever we're going through, that we serve a God that does miracles. Amen? We serve a God that can do the impossible. So I want us to uh, begin to cultivate a heart of excitement. Amen? A heart of expectation of the Lord to move on our behalf. Does that sound good to you guys? We want to receive that. We want to walk in that. And we want to trust in that. Amen? So Acts 12 in verse 1, if everybody's ready. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. Now this is not King Herod the Great, or you may remember him as the King Herod who was murdering all the babies around Bethlehem. This is that guy's grandson. Now this King Herod, Herod Agrippa, he was, he was schooled in Rome. He was raised in Rome. Um, he wasn't super popular with the Jews. Because um, the, the Romans really ruled Judea. They really ruled Israel. But we had King Herod who was allowed to govern some areas. And that area got larger and larger. So he wasn't a favorite by any means. Um, so he sees an opportunity um, to get popular. Um, like any politician, he, see, he sees something. He's like, ah, I'm, I'm going to try and use this for my advantage here. Stephen, um, the Christian Stephen, had just been martyred. And so now the persecution of the early church is really stepping up at this point. And now Herod's getting involved. And he's like, man, I think I can use this to my advantage. Because the Jews, a lot of the Jews weren't Christian people. You know what I mean? A lot of the Christians weren't the popular cats, okay? The, the Hebrews saw this as a, as a, as a cult, as, a, a, as a, a very bad detriment to their religion. So they didn't like it very much. So that's the situation we're in right now. Is everybody with me? Okay, about that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. Verse 2, he killed James, the brother of John. This is not James who wrote the book of James in the Bible. The guy who wrote the book of James in the Bible was Jesus' half-brother. This is James the Apostle, if anybody's interested. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews... Okay, so Herod kind of steps out on limb here, kills this James cat who was an apostle. You know, you know what I'm saying? You with me? And the Jews were like, yeah, that is awesome. That's great. So he kind of sees what's going on. He's like, yeah. I'm going to do something bigger this time. So he rounds up Peter. Now, Peter was the big apostle of the day. He was like, he was, he was, well, let's just say that. He was the big apostle. He was running a lot of stuff. Amen? Okay. So if he could, if he could get rid of Peter, then he could get some, he's, he could get a lot of cool points with the Jewish people. So that's where we're at. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter. Also, this was during the days of unleavened bread. So this was around the Passover time. Verse 4. And when he had seized him, when he seized Peter, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of four soldiers. Uh, four squads of soldiers, 16 soldiers to guard one dude. Okay. 
over, over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So they couldn't desecrate. They didn't want to desecrate the Passover time. This was, this was a big, humongous holiday right here. Okay, so, but this was going to be the icing on the cake right here. After the Passover, after all this goes down, we're going to bring Peter out. We're going to have a nice little uh, show trial, a little fake trial here. And then we're going to kill him. I'm going to be so much more popular. This is going to be awesome. Satan's busy, ain't he? Is Satan not busy? Is everything cool? Satan's always busy, man, right? He's always working, always trying to trip you up, always trying to get bad things to happen to you, always trying to get you to do stupid things, right? Sometimes we follow along with him really, really easy. But Satan's really, really busy. But I want you guys to focus on this fact right now, that the battle's already been won. Amen. The battle's already been won. We have the victory. Our Lord wins. Amen. Yeah, give them some praise. Get excited. This is a really cool story, man, right here. I, I was When I was studying it last night, I was like, man, I couldn't wait to preach it. I was so excited about it. And so I hope you guys really dig it. I hope you guys really get something out of it. Okay. So anyways, and when, when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. I want to read a verse to you guys. 2 Timothy 3 in verse 12. You will not find it on your bulletins. If you have a pen, you can write it on your bulletin, or you can write it down somewhere. But grab a hold of this verse sometime this week, okay? Super, super important, man, if you are a Christian, all right? Or if you're thinking about becoming a Christian, you should know this verse as well. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 12, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You guys already knew that, right? If you've been a Christian more than five minutes or five days, you done figured that out, man. That it's not the cool, it's not the hip thing to do to be a Christian, but it's the only way. Amen. It's the only way to eternal life. It is the way that you want to be. And give yourself a little pat on the back because you accepted that precious gift. You know what I mean? You are blessed. Amen. All right, give the Lord some praise real fast. Because he handpicked you. Amen. But see, once, once we become saved, once we're these Christians, um, we're in the family, right? Satan can't do anything to God. He can't do anything to the holy God, the creator of all things. He can't touch him. You understand that? Satan's not neck and neck with God. He's, it's not like the two big equals, one is good and one is evil, going at it. Satan is nowhere near God's equal. He's nothing. He's a fallen angel. Can I get a witness? And he's, he's already a defeated foe. Amen? But just like if you look at previous wars, if you look at the Germans during World War II, uh, look at the Japanese during World War II, when all was lost, they fought a lot harder. They kept fighting. They didn't want to give up. They didn't want to accept the inevitable. They hoped against hope. See, Satan, Satan's lost. It's a done deal. But he wants to take as many out, he wants to take as many of us out with him as he can. You know what I'm saying? He can't touch God, but he can, he can try and mess with God's prized possession, which is you. You know what I mean? And if you give him some room, he'll gladly take you up on that. Amen? Okay, so 2 Timothy 3, verse 12. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life, anybody that wants to be that person, anybody that wants to be that sold-out person for Jesus Christ, Satan's going to come at you. Amen. You will be persecuted. That's just how it is. You are his, I'll put it to you like this. You go from Satan really not being too worried about you. You were like kind of occupied doing the thing, doing whatever you were doing. 
He wasn't too worried about you. But once you accept Jesus Christ, he is scared of the Christian. He really is scared of the Christian understanding the power that he has through Jesus Christ. So he's going to do anything he can. Are y'all with me? Satan is terrified of any Christian. He's terrified of Christians. He's terrified of you. Amen? It, it, it shouldn't be the way it is where we walk around terrified of him. You know what I mean? He's already lost the battle. He works in deception. He works in fear. He lies, man. He's a liar. He can't tell the truth. Amen? You don't believe that nonsense. You don't worry about it. I belong to the Most High God. And the battle's already been won. Okay, so verse 5, we got Peter. James the Apostle has been executed. King Herod Agrippa was stoked that the Jews were stoked about that. So he arrests Peter, the big apostle of the day, the big dog. Okay, now after the Passover, they're going to have this big mock trial and assassinate Peter. And King Herod's like, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be rad. I'm going to be super, super popular. It's going to work out great. Verse 5, so Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. But earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. I want to ask you guys a question real fast. When is the last time you've prayed earnestly about anything that wasn't just concerning you or your little, your little world? You know what I'm saying? The church was praying for Peter. And they were earnestly praying for Peter. They were hardcore, seriously seeking God, pleading with God to do something about what was going on in Peter's life. I am not saying don't pray for your family. We need to pray for our family. Matter of fact, we have this awesome weapon that hardly none of us ever use like we're supposed to. You know what I mean? I'm being honest with you this morning. You see what I'm saying? We are, we are supposed to pray. We're supposed to pray. And when we pray, things get changed. Things happen. Either God's going to change you or he's going to change your situation. You know what I mean? But we need to pray. We need to give it to God. We need to let God do his thing. Amen? God says we have not because we ask not. Sometimes we're just not asking. You know what I mean? We think God doesn't want to do miracles or God's too busy or God don't really like me or God don't really exist. That's all hogwash, man. God loves you. He loves you and he's definitely real. Can I get a witness? So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. So, we got all these persecuted Christians, man. And it bugs me, man, that, that, that I pray for them, and I pray for them, you know, I pray for them every week. But it's kind of like these fleeting prayers, like, God bless the persecuted people. You know, God, how can I say this, man? God loves those people that are being persecuted for the cause of Christ just as much as he loves you. You know what I mean? And we need to have a heart for those people. Amen. We need to pray for those people. Are you with me? Like really earnestly spend some time praying for those people that are suffering for the, the only crime is that they love Jesus Christ. That's crazy, right? That's crazy. But they're dying, man, just because they love Jesus. This is what Christians are called to do. So, when we think about the persecuted church, when we think about those that suffer, it doesn't need to be just a fleeing thought. But we need to earnestly seek God and ask God, God, please bless these people. Provide for them. Protect them. You know that could be you one day, right? Think about that. Galatians 6, verse 2. Bear one another's burdens. This is what Jesus Christ expects his church to do. To be there for one another. 
Okay? The persecuted Christians, they are our brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to do what we can for them. Amen? Not just this little group right here. And of course we need to be here for our brothers and sisters, our church family. Amen? But they are our family too. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's what Jesus Christ wants us to do. To have a heart for a lost and dying world. To love our brothers and sisters in Christ. To love our church family. To, to love our neighbor. Amen? And those aren't just words. Those aren't just something you want to get printed on a sticker or on the back of a shirt. This is what Jesus expects us to do, to bear one another's burdens, to be there for our brothers and sisters, to do what we can. Amen? Hebrews 13 and verse 3, I already read it earlier, but let's do it again. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, as though you're in prison with them, and those who are mistreated since, listen to this, since you also are in the body. That's a nice little way of saying uh, this time next year that could be you. You know, you don't know, man. You're still in the flesh, man. You can still feel pain just like that guy in prison. You can still feel pain. Pray for the people that are suffering. Bear one another's burdens. This is what Jesus Christ expects from his people. Amen? All righty. Tell the truth. Shame the devil, right? 1 Peter 3, 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. That's pretty important right there. You're suffering. Peter's in a slammer right now, man. It's not looking good for him. It's another one of them hopeless situations. You know what I mean? But listen to what I just said. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. God knows what you're going through. He cares about what you're going through. Amen? You're not in this alone. God is with you. If, if your family don't act like they care, if nobody's really concerned, well, I hope that's not the case, but listen, there's a God in heaven who's very much concerned about what you're going through. Amen? For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. We have this awesome, awesome weapon, this awesome, awesome tool that we're not using that much. We're not using it very much. But see, when we pray, things happen. You see what I'm saying? God hears our prayers. God's not going to hear your prayer if you have lawlessness in your heart. If there's some sins that need to be removed, you need to remove those sins. You need to repent of those sins. Does that make sense? But you know what? Repent of all your wrongdoings, man, and, and do that every single time you begin to pray. You know what I mean? Father God, I, I repent of <laughs> whatever it is, man. Even if you can't remember what you did, give it to Jesus. Amen? And then let's do this. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. The Lord God wants to do something about your situation. Does that make sense? Now listen to this. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So yeah, people are being persecuted in prison right now because they love Jesus. And it does. In the natural, it seems completely unfair, doesn't it? It is unfair. It's unfair that people are in prison. People are dying. People are getting their heads cut off just because they love Jesus. That's horrible. Completely unfair. But God wants you to know. He wants to remind you, vengeance is mine. I'm going to work it out. They're not going to get away with this too long. Okay? You pray for your brothers and sisters. You do what you can for your brothers and sisters. Yes, life is rough. Life is unfair. But I'm God. I'm going to work it out. Amen? But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. There will be a day, there will be a time when all the wrongs are going to be righted. Amen? Hey, that's something to get stoked up about. I get fired up about that. What do you think, guys? Think this is the end for Pete? Well, let's see. Acts 12 and verse 6. Now when Herod was about to bring him out, 
about to bring Peter out. On that very night, oh man, this is so stinking cool, man. Are y'all excited? This is awesome. This is really, really good. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out, doesn't matter what Satan's trying to do. It's up to the king. Amen. We belong to the most high God. We need to expect God to move. Amen. We need to be about his business. We need to be focused on our God and get that peace. And we need to pray. We need to give it to God. Whatever it is, give it to him. Amen. And now when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. I just find that so funny, don't you? This dude's got a death sentence. He knows what happened to James. He knows what happened to Stephen. He knows what's going on. And he's got all these guards. 16 soldiers, man. Yeah, 16 soldiers watching him. Four at a time. And he's in between two of them. And he's sleeping like a baby. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that cool? Man, that's that peace that only Jesus can give you. You hear what I'm saying? That's the peace that you want. Amen? Not that fake peace, not that false peace, but you want that real peace. Isaiah 26 in verse 3. I'm going to read that to you real fast. You will keep, God will keep, you will keep in perfect peace. What kind of peace? Perfect peace. That's what I'm shooting for, man. That's the peace I want. You know, I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know what my life is going to look like two months from now. I don't know any of this stuff, but I know God's got a good plan for me. I know that he's in control. I know that he says that he's going to work all things out. So I'm going to trust in him. I'm going to keep my eyes focused on him. And I'm going to get real peace, perfect peace. Amen? You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. We need to let our minds be steadfast, totally focused on God's goodness. You know what I mean? And receive that peace. And you can only do that if you're focused on God, if you're yielding to that Holy Spirit that dwells inside of each and every believer. You know what I mean? You can listen to yourself and you can go do some stupid decisions and get stressed out. You can let Satan lead you off to go get you in all kinds of trouble. But you know what? The Holy Spirit indwells each and every single believer. And he will equip us and give us the strength to do what he wants us to do if we yield to him. Amen? So raise your hands if you're down with having some peace. Pretty much all of us. That's good. Okay, so here's Pete, Big Pete, sleeping, man. How can he do that? How can he be sleeping in prison when he's going to die very soon? Because he's focusing on God. Man, it's like, it's like what the Apostle Paul said. You know, uh, I'm kind of stuck between two worlds here. I'm cool. I'm ready to go to heaven. I, I think that would be awesome. But also, I think it's good for me to be here to help you guys out. That's how the Christian should look at stuff, man. It's a win-win for us. You know, we belong to the Lord. Whatever he decides to do is going to be awesome. It's going to be rad. All God's people said it's going to be rad. Amen. Now, this is going to get super cool right here. Hopeless situation. Nothing is hopeless, right? Not when we belong to Jesus. Because there's that verse, uh, Luke 1, 37, for nothing is impossible with God. It's a powerful little verse. For nothing is impossible with God. We're in that family. The same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. Isn't that cool? Awesome? I think it's good news. Okay, verse 7. This is, this is so stinking cool right here. Hopeless situation, and then in a split second, it's going to change, man. And keep in mind right now, Brother Donnie, hopeless situation, but Peter's sleeping like a baby. He's sleeping. He's got that peace. Ah, whatever's going to happen is going to happen, man. 
you know what? I'm in this prison. These guards stink. I'm all chained up. This, hot, this straw ain't been changed in a long time. That's all right. I'm just trusting in Jesus. I'm trusting in Jesus. I'm, this is like what the Apostle Paul said. I've, I've, been, I've had a lot. I've had a little. My favorite nursery rhyme was Hansel and Gretel. No, he didn't say that. <laughs> the, the Apostle Paul said, I, I've had a bunch. I've had a lot. I've had a surplus. And I had nothing. But I can do all things through Christ. So wherever you're at, man, we got to focus on God and his goodness, man. And don't let Satan steal our joy. Amen. Because naturally, we're going to want to look at that glass being half empty. Right? Look at God's goodness, man. And it's all good. All God's people said it's all good. Amen. Verse 7. This is good. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. Situations hopeless. Situations completely dark. But when we let the Most High God in, there's that light. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes we, sometimes we just got to get into the Word of God. We got to stand on the Word of God. You know what? We got to listen to Christian, uh, Christian teaching, Christian preaching. Uh, there's things that we can do to let that light in. You know what I mean? Instead of listening to the wrong things, ex- instead of listening to those people that are telling you the wrong way, man, Get around godly folks. Get around Christian folks. And when I say godly, I don't mean perfect. I ain't never met one of them yet. They're not around. You know what I mean? I'm talking about people that love the Lord, people that are going to give you advice from the Bible. You know what I mean? So grab a hold of the Word of God. Listen to the preacher man on the radio. Not every preacher man, but, you know. (laughs) Get, Get it in you, man. Get the Word of God in you. And that'll change some stuff. Spend some time in prayer. Let that light in. Can I get a witness? And behold, the angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. That is so good. This is cool right here, man. I'm sorry. This is, just, this is just an awesome little story. Pete's sleeping, about to get his head cut off or crucified or stoned to death. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, get up quickly. He's sleeping so hard, man. And the, the verse before said that, that this light filled up the room. And Peter, he's like, He's sleeping so hard, the light doesn't even do anything to him. You know what I mean? Angel light. Awesome angel light engulfs the room. You know what I mean? And Peter's like, just he's just sleeping. The angel has to like hit him in the ribs. Hey, dude, boom. Wake up, man. Let's go. Bam. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. Thank you, Jesus. See, nothing is impossible for our God. Amen? And I really believe in my heart that we need to be expecting some awesome things to happen. We need to expect God to keep his word. And God will keep his word. Amen? God can't lie. He ain't going to lie. You know what I mean? We need to stand on these promises. And we really need to become a church that is expectant. We need, a people that, that are, we need to be a people that are expecting God to do some awesome things. Amen? Okay, he struck Peter and the chains fell off his hands. Just like that, your situation can change. Just like that. Hopeless situation, still had the peace of God. Angel shows up, chains fall off. Amen? His whole world just changed. Right there. Acts 16 and verse 25. It's another little story right here, but I want to make a point with it. This is Paul and Silas in prison. Now keep in mind that Peter, in this story right here, this is his third time 
that he had been arrested for serving Jesus Christ. He didn't give up. He kept doing what he had to do. Amen. He had the peace of God. He's sleeping in the prison knowing he's about to die. Let's look at Paul and Silas real fast. Acts 16 and verse 25 is right there on your monitor. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns. That's a big thing right there that we keep touching on for the last couple of weeks, man. We really need to focus on the Most High God, right? Focus on the Most High God and praise Him. Listen to me. Praise Him in the middle of your storm. Give Him some praise in the middle of your storm. Because that gets your eyes off of yourself, right? That gets your eyes off yourself and that magnifies the Lord so you can see Him for who He really is. And when we praise the Lord in the middle of our storms, it confuses the enemy. It boggles Satan's mind. It's like, I don't get it. I was in there. I know what the doctor said. And he's praising the Lord. Let God be true and every man a liar, right? I'm praising the Lord. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Wouldn't you like to know what hymns they were singing? Paul and Silas, horrible situation, bad situation. They just got beat up. They just got beat up bad. Now they're in prison. All right, talking about Paul and Silas now. They're praying. They're praising Jesus. They're singing hymns. They're giving God glory in the middle of this horrible situation. See, we leave that out a lot, you know. Sometimes we're like, God, get me through this. God, get me through this. And we won't give him glory. We won't show him our thankfulness for where we're at at that moment. You know what I mean? But hey, God has allowed us to be in that moment. God is still God in that moment. And we need to praise God wherever we're at. Amen. About, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Oh, that's pretty important, man. When you're going through this mess, and we're all going through mess, people are watching. People are watching to see what you're going to do. You know, there's some people that really want to believe in Jesus, but they've seen some really awful examples. You know what I mean? They saw Christians not living like Christians. Amen? I'm guilty. Anybody ever been guilty of that? So people are watching because people need something real. You know? So... It's very important how we handle ourselves through these crises. You know what I mean? We're not always going to do it perfect. But here's the big deal. Check this out. Um, singing hymns, da-da-da. And the prisoners were listening to them. Man, what's up with these crazy Christian guys? They just got beat up. They're in prison. And they're praising their God. Hmm. Doesn't make a lot of sense. But listen to this suddenly. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. So everybody just got set free in that situation. How we handle our situation can really be a blessing to other people. You know what I mean? How we handle our crisis can really encourage other people. Hey, I need, I thought this person was a nutcase, but I really need what they got going on. You know what I mean? They have peace no matter what's going on. Does that make sense this morning? Okay, so back to Peter. Sleeping so soundly. Angel has to wake him up. Get up, Peter. Get up, dude. We got to go. That's where we're at. 
And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so, and said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. This, this, this story right here just gets better and better and better. Okay, the angel said do this, and Peter did it. Don't, don't t- just take that for granted. Don't just read over that real fast. In the hard time, in the scary time, it is so important that we keep our eyes on God, that we praise him in the middle of our storm. But guess what else? You better be obedient to the word. You know what I mean? Don't go off and do something the wrong way. Don't go off and do your own thing, but follow the scripture. Follow what Jesus says. Amen? Don't dig a deeper hole for yourself. Don't get in the flesh, but I'm going to do what the Bible says. Well, I don't know what the Bible says. We'll read the Bible. I don't understand what it means. Well, then call Brother Donnie. Do something. Get together with some Christian folks. Let's encourage one another. Amen? You're not supposed to go through anything alone. Amen? That's why you have this local body. This is the part of the church that you feel like you belong to right now, and we love you, and we want you here forever. You know what I mean? So you're here. Get to know one another. Get to be there for one another and let God cultivate a real burden for one another, a godly burden, a Jesus burden. Amen? Amen. All right. So, um, and the angel said to him, dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, I mean, what if Peter was like, ain't going. I ain't going. I'm sitting right here. I was sleeping good. That wouldn't work out good for Peter and it wouldn't have made it in the Bible. If it would have made it in the Bible, it would have ended a lot differently. And they cut his head off the next day. Because he didn't want to obey the Lord's word. Because it didn't make sense to him. Sometimes God will ask us to do things that in the natural doesn't really make a lot of sense. But we need to follow what the scripture says. Amen. We need to be obedient to that and be blessed. Okay. This is so cool right here, man. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not, just listen, he did not know that what was being done by the angel was real. Peter thinks he's still sleeping. This dude was sleeping so hard. He had, he had this awesome peace. He was sleeping so stinking hard. He, the bright light of the angelic being didn't wake him up. The angel nudges him and wakes him up. And he's like, puts his sandals on, gets dressed. Like, this ain't really happening. It's, he thinks he's dreaming. He doesn't even know what's really happening. But he's following this angel, you know. I don't have a point to make. I just think that's kind of cool. Isn't that awesome? He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was, he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came, they came to the iron gate leading into the city, and it opened for them of its own accord. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. So this is, Peter goes through the whole prison, passing this guard, passing this guard. It's awesome, this awesome dream right here. You know, if, if, if this was really happening, it would be so awesome, but right now I'm just going to enjoy this dream. Huh, this is great. He walked, the prison doors open, he's out in the street, and then the angel's going, later dude, he's all alone, he's been set free, and at that moment he realizes, this is really happening. This is really happening. Isn't that cool? Has anybody, did you ever read that book? Oh no, it's a short story. Occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. Anybody ever read that? Nobody? That messes up the point I was going to make. It's a good short story. Um, It's really cool. Uh, Twilight Zone did an episode of it. Um, 
you, so, okay, Mike saw it. Okay, occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge was written by a real a veteran of the Civil War, I think around 1890, and it was this, just this really cool little short story about this southern dude who was arrested by the Union soldiers somewhere down here in the south, and they were about to hang him on a bridge, on a railroad bridge. And so he's tied up, he's hanging on this bridge, and he's looking at the water, he's looking at a log rolling by. I just read the cliff notes like really recently. <laughs> he's looking at the water, and he starts to daydream. You know, it'd be nice to be set free right now. And they hang him, but when, he, when the rope goes to pull tight, the rope breaks, and so now he's floating down the river. Yeah. And he's floating down the river, and the Union soldiers are shooting at him. And he's floating, floating, floating. And there's some other stuff I don't quite remember. But he washes up in his own backyard, man. And his wife is right there running to him. And he's like, oh, hey, baby, look, I'm not dead. And <clears throat> I thought you was coming to my hanging. I'm, I'm running late. No, um, <laughs> no she, she's on the veranda or whatever, and he's walking up out of the river, and they see each other, and this guy makes this beautiful smile, and then all of a sudden, <clears throat> the rope pulls tight. And that was just him dreaming, man, I wish I could get out of this. And he died. Yeah, but this that's not how this works out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there was really no point to that other than this story ends a lot differently because this dude right here, Peter belongs to the Most High God. Right? Pull it back together. Everybody, Everybody's like, what was that about? I'm never getting that four minutes back. Okay. Anyways, that's not what happens to Peter. Not at all. But what, is, what, what I was comparing it to is this dude was daydreaming. He was like, man, I'm going to, never mind, just whatever. Okay. When Peter came to himself, he said, now I am sure. This is good. I hope you guys forgive me for that last little bit. When Peter came to himself, now he's fully awake. Man, I'm, huh. When Peter came to himself, he said, now I'm sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. See that little statement right there? Peter wakes up and he gives God glory. Amen. He's praising God. God, you got me through this. Yeah. But God will get you through the mess that you're in. Amen. He will get you through to the other side. Praise him through that storm and get ready to praise him big time on the other side. You know what I mean? Because Herod had some big old plans for little old Peter. And the Jewish people were more than happy to watch Peter uh, die, be stoned to death. They didn't have no love for him. But see, it doesn't matter what Satan's got going on. I'm going to trust in the Most High God. I'm going to receive that victory. Amen? Are y'all with me? Now, <laughs> uh, just to wrap up the story, not the dude hanging at Owl Creek Bridge, but the, the story with Peter here is King Herod Agrippa... It's egg on his face because, um, guess what? Peter's not in the jail, and they're supposed to do this big mock trial thing. Well, the next day, they go to get him out, and the guards are freaking out, man. Like, whoa, because that's certain death for them. There were 16 of them, you know, and they couldn't explain it. And so King Herod, you know, they're dead. They're done. Off with their head, whatever. They're dead. So Herod is so embarrassed that he leaves town, man. He goes to some other place for a long time. Let's it cool down. 
doesn't matter what Satan's got going on. Don't worry about that. He's a liar, right? Don't give in to that. We win because God wins. Now, we need to expect God to do some awesome things, right? Let's do that, man. Let's get expected, all right? All right, Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's the ticket right there, guys. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't worry about what sister so-and-so said if you know it's not lining up with the Word of God. Don't worry about what grandma said if it's not lining up with the Word of God. I'm not saying be mean or rude or impolite to those people. But I'm saying I'm trusting in what the Lord says. You know what I mean? I'm going to trust in the Word of God. So trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. You can't halfway do it. You can't halfway do it or you're not going to have peace. You know what I mean? You're going to be a nervous wreck. Are you ever like that? I got the victory because I know Jesus is going to work it out. Then five minutes later, you're like pulling out your hair and you're like, all God's people want. Well, remember, like Paul and Silas in prison, people are watching. People are watching to see how you're going to handle this mess. So just focus on Jesus. Amen. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. God will get you through. God will get you that place he wants you to be. Trust in him. Don't listen to Satan. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Victory Life Church. Go to victorylifechurchofmilton.com for more and may God bless you.